presents. And that's why Melvin Bragg's only got one ball. You're listening to BBC Radio 4. Well done. Coming up later today, Brenda Hatton investigates the alarming increase in human organ trafficking, asking what price organic? While Salma Chakrabarti ponders, quinoa and me, where did it all go wrong? But now on BBC Radio 4, we join Julian Hughes for this week's Outside the Box, the show which challenges deceased cultural figures to try something new. Hello and welcome to Outside the Box. Those of you listening last week will recall our adventures clubbing with Ludwig van Beethoven. I cannot hear, I'm pinned! And next week we'll be talking to George Orwell about his experience of watching Big Brother. Massive pile of wank! But today's guest is someone rather different. Born in Paris in 1871, his life's work amounts to nothing less than a masterpiece of world literature – a remarkable output exploring every facet of the human experience, providing that experience is a bit fey. But most of the words he ever wrote are contained in just one book, A la recherche de temps perdu, or anglais, In Search of Lost Time. He is, of course, Marcel Proust, and he joins me now. Marcel, welcome to Outside the Box. Uh, oui. It's a pleasure to have you here, Marcel. Oui. And uh, what did you think of the task we set you? Uh, both. Chris, can this guy speak English? Uh, non. Great. Well, that's just fantastic, isn't it? It's Jade Goody all over again. I know a little English. His name is Bernard. <laughs> wow. Is that your laugh? Gosh, that is uh, unexpected. Okay, uh, let's talk a little about your book, Marcel. Did you read it? Uh, yes, of course. All of it? Well, yeah, I mean, it's really long, isn't it? Like, really long. Uh, Chris, our producer, did a bit, and the new researcher, Sally, she did some, and I read a summary on Wikipedia, which went on forever. And so I, I think we've got it covered between us. It is okay. Nothing happens anyway. It's mainly bollocks. I wrote it as a dare. A dare? Well, I bet a friend that I could get a book in which nothing actually happens for over 4,000 pages, except the ramblings of a pathetic youth published. He didn't believe me, but now I earn his sister. His sister? Well. <laughs> wow. Okay, well, back to the book. Listeners should be aware it's not exactly a Richard and Judy summer read. Like I said, I gave it a stab. Couldn't really get into it. Compared to, say, I don't know, a Dan Brown, the chapters, not that there are any, are really quite long. Mr Brown, incidentally, another former guest on Outside the Box, whom we challenged to write a book suitable for literate adults. But Marcel, how did you come up with the title? Uh, originally, the book was called In Search of Lost Things, because I kept losing my, uh, my things. Oh, like what? My, uh, how you say, uh, a, a butt plug? Sorry? You know, a, a butt plug. Uh, like an electrical plug? No, 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 like a plug for the butt, for the sexy time time, you know, like, oh, look at me, I have a plug in my butt. Ah! Right. 
Oui, you know, and I kept putting it down and then forgetting where I put it, so I was all the time writing this book about losing things, and then one day a friend, he hears me wrong when I say in search of lost things, and he says, in search of lost time, and I say, oui, and then, what do you know, five volumes later, things have gotten a bit out of control, and I have a masterwork of the literature French on my hands, a bish-bash-bosh, as you say, Angleterre. I see. And the novel's theme of memory, do you view that, as many critics have done, as the major unifying structure of the work, tying together otherwise disparate parts into a whole which amounts to the most complete work of realist literature ever committed to paper? Marcel is bored now. Talk to Anne. Uh, sorry? To Anne. Say bonjour, monsieur Anne. Uh, hello. Uh, bonjour, monsieur Hand. Oh, salut. How are you? Moi? Moi? You look fantastic. Have you lost the weight? Uh, yes, I have, actually. Thank you. Do you have any thoughts on the book, Monsieur Hand? No, I am an hand. <laughs> okay, so on with the challenge. Famous for writing a single book no one now reads, we asked Marcel Proust to rewrite Fifty Shades of Grey, the single book no one should read, but everyone does. Marcel, we gave you a few lines of E.L. James's novel, and we asked you to... Uh, it is not a novel. Isn't it? No, it only has like 300 pages. And that's not enough. No, that is a sentence. Possibly a short poem. Well, we gave you a few lines from the, uh, the book, selected at random. I'm helpless, lost in erotic torment. I'm a ball of sexual tense need. Marcel, what was your approach to rewriting Fifty Shades as an author? At all the times, I was thinking in my head, how can I make this longer? It is, it is too short. It's too short. So I put in some more of the words and make everything longer. Sometimes I even repeat it myself. Myself. This was my approach. And as a gay man, how did you approach a text which has been described as aggressively heterosexual by me just now? When you consider Shades in its context original, you realise it is simply a work of the Twilight fan fiction. With this realization, I knew I was dealing with themes universal, the love of Bella for the vampire man with the air, the desires of Jacob the wolf boy. This is all very similar to my own work. Uh, is it? Uh, no. But we can hear some of your adaptation now, can't we, Marcel? Oui, of course. Read by a friend of yours, I understand. Oui, my bestie, Goethe. Dirty Goethe, I call him. He's a real little pervert, you know, so I, I thought he would want to be involved. Yes, according to our sound engineer, he got very uh, involved. Eh, what can you do? He is a poet. They are all degenerate. Took four hours to clean up, apparently. But let's hear now Marcel Proust's adaptation of Fifty Shades of Grey, as read by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. I'm helpless, lost in torment. I am a ball of tense sexual need. A frisson of trepidation sweeps through my body. All of this blossom, it is too much. Too much. I arrive in inexhaustible profusion, like the verves of an orchestra. The strings are tremulous vibrato, Sounding over and over a deep crescendo of longing, and in that moment, which bursts in all its fullness upon the upturned cheek of my lover, I relieve myself with utmost urgency. My lover abandons me to ecstasy. 
I am alone in exquisite torment, lost like a child in a carnival of Hawthorne. My mother waters my glistening stamen. Inside I am rapture. I dissolve in waves of pleasure. Ich bin ein bisschen Kindersurprise. Ein Knoblock Fairy Caker. Ja, gut, ja. Ein Pumper Fister Nickel. Ich bin ein Sauerkraut Soldier. Ein Aldi Enema. Ja, ja, Nutella. Ja, Nutella. That was Marcel's. Uh, Proust's. Uh, uh, Marcel's. Um, adaption. Uh, oh, thank you, Marcel. That was. Um, really. Uh, incredible. You, you went to Isamu? Uh, no, 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 thank you. But I have another 700 pages! Well, maybe I'll. Uh, I'll just take those home with me for research. Uh, do you want these back? No, I always carry a spare treasure. We should probably clean up now. Uh, Chris, uh, do you need to... Uh, I need to be alone now. Uh, yes, of course. Uh, Marcel, thank you for joining us on Outside the Box today. Goodbye, Julien. I hope one day we meet again. Uh, goodbye, Marcel, or should that be au revoir? No, we are in Angleterre. It is goodbye, you beautiful idiot. Ooh, crikey. Was not expecting that. Got another one in you, Chris? Yeah, go on then. Outside the Box was a Visigoth production for BBC Radio 4. Next week at the same time, you can hear Alan Bennett on MTMA. But now we can cross live to our new experimental reality programme and to a show which takes a more literal approach to a much-loved Radio 4 classic. So alone. I'm so And if you want to hear more of Desert Island Dicks, Appears Morgan Special, just go to our website where you'll find the live video stream, where you can also join the debate. Should Piers be fed, or left to gnaw through what remains of his left arm? Call, text, or tweet. Do let us know what you think. Well, it's just coming up to a quarter to three this Monday afternoon, which means it's time for today's instalment of The Desolate North, Radio 4's cultural exploration of all things beyond the wall. Today we've been invited to join Priscilla and Margaret, two alternative healers from Sheffield, who share their conversation about good manners, their profession, and the importance of biscuits. Listeners should be aware the following programme does contain northern vowels. Orange creams. Oh, you know what I like? Them crumbly ones. Them ones with raisins. Oh, they're nice, them ones, aren't they? Oh, because you don't always want a chocolatey one, do you? No, you don't. There can be a bit much. 
Like when you've had a big lunch. Like when you've had a big Not lunch. Not you'd have a big lunch nowadays. Oh, well, no, you wouldn't, would you? Not nowadays. But you can imagine, can't you? If you've had a big lunch, you wouldn't be wanting a chocolatey one, would you? But them crumbly mm. ones with, with raisins, they'd mm. be quite nice. Have we got any of them chocolatey ones? Oh, yes. Oh, Matt. You are naughty. It's all you're talking about, mm-hmm. and you've made me fancy a chocolatey one you have. <laughs> well, you go and have one, love. You've earned it. Mind you, if you have one, I'll probably go and have one too. And there goes me diet again. Oh, you're a new <laughs> diet. Straight as a beanpole you are, not like Mitchell and Margaret over here. <laughs> oh, now, don't you be silly. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry, Jenny, love. How rude of us just chatting away. Would you like a biscuit? No. Thank you. We've got some custard creams here and some crumbly ones in the kitchen. And we might just have some of them ones chocolatey too, but they can be a bit much. Especially if you've had a big lunch. Uh, no, thank you. Could we um, talk about the consultation? Oh, go on, Jenny, love. Have a custard cream. You're amongst friends now, Poppet. And look at you, mere slip of a thing. Have a biscuit, go on. I'm fine, really. Thank you. But you're wasting away, Petal. Maybe she's had a big lunch. There's no way she's had a big lunch. Look at her. Scrawny arms. <laughs> no, thank you. Really, I'm fine. And I don't eat lunch. Didn't have a lunch? No, I never do. Can we talk about Freddy's allergies, please? No, sweetie, no. There, there. Don't wake up. Go back to sleep. If we could just be quick about this, he can be quite difficult. Most important meal of the day lunches, after breakfast. And before your tea. Oh, ain't you naughty. <laughs> Did you hear that, Jenny, love? <laughs> anyway, if you've not had your lunch, you'll be needing a biscuit, <laughs> Jenny, love. I'm fine, thank you. Sorry, and it's Jennifer, not Jenny, and I'm watching my weight. Well, aren't we all, love? Watching it go up and up. But we can't be watching it all the time. Go on, have you sent a biscuit? If she don't want one, she don't want one, Marge. Now we can do about it. Really? I'm fine. Can we please just talk about Freddy's allergies? Does your Freddy want a biscuit? Do you want a biscuit, Freddy? No, please don't. He's fine. I mean, he can't. He's got a gluten intolerance, I think. He gets incredibly sullen whenever he eats gluten. He's just horrible. Gluten, you say? Yes. Do you mean bread, love? Yes, gluten. In the wheat. Aye, bread. That's all right, Jenny Petal. We can solve that. After testing first, though. Mm -hmm. Oh, Oh, hello, little (laughs) one. Oh, ain't he an angel? Uh, Yes, he can be. What sort of test is it? Is it intrusive? 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 Heavens no. Where do you think you are, love? We do things the way your grandma used to. Bread, you said? Yes. Have we got any bread, Marge? Oh, I think so. I'll just go and check and I'll get some of them crumbly ones while I'm at it. Oh, yes. Oh, excuse me. Oh, take Mm. your toes, love. I'm really sorry. Mm. Never mind. Shall be a minute. What's the bread for? For testing. What? You're just going to give him some bread? We are, love, yes. But aren't there chemicals or something involved? In the bread, love, yes. 
It doesn't get any more scientific. Not for wheat or out, no. What, what else is he allergic to? He won't drink milk. Says it's too white. Do you think it could be a lactose thing? Oh, it could be. Um, just give him a newt finger at breakfast for a week. It'll be right as rain. Sorry? A newt finger. Every morning. Sort him right out. Well, there's no way he's going to eat that. Gosh, a re- little tin pot Hitler, ain't he? Anyway, don't matter if he eats it, Jenny. After a week on newt fingers, he'll be grateful for milk. Anything else? Uh, he simply refuses to eat broccoli. Throws such horrible tantrums, absolutely unbearable. I think he might have an iron aversion. Now I doubt that, Jenny, darling. Sorry? He don't have an iron aversion, Petal. How do you know? Well, our Stephen, when he were little, he had an aversion to crusts. A crust intolerance, if you will. Okay. And we cured him of that with a trick my grandma used when I were a little un. And what was that? Didn't let him eat out but crusts. Kids will eat out when they're hungry enough. Here we are. This'll shine light on matter. But that's just a plate of bread. It's not even wholemeal. I don't know what you were expecting, Flower, but you're in Ackenthorpe now, and Slice White is how we do things round here. Now, are you going to wake the little angel, or Mm. shall I? No, God, please don't wake him. Listen, I think there's been a misunderstanding. I should go. Freddy has yoghurt too. I don't want to be late. That's all right, Petal. It happens. We'll just charge you for Mm. consultation then, not for testing. Just £70, if you please. £70? But you haven't done anything. I haven't done anything. Oh, listen to her. It's all right, Marge. Just £70 for consultation, Jenny, Mm. and for cost at bread. But that's ridiculous. Oh, don't be silly. We wouldn't take a penny more. Wouldn't feel right about it. Ain't she a sweetie, Marge? She certainly is. (laughs) But if you just make the check out for Hackenthorpe Heal and Feel... Complimentary medicine, Sense. Well, I really don't see... And you are sure you don't want a biscuit? Yes, thank you. Perfectly sure. I'm afraid we don't have any of them chocolatey ones. We're all out, Pris. But we do have a couple of them crumbly ones. I don't want any of your biscuits, thank you. I can pop out for some of them chocolate ones if that's what you're after. Ooh, are you going to co-op or Mr Patel's? Oh, I don't know. Do you think Mr Patel takes checks? Anyway, all your talk and biscuits, Jenny is on a diet. Don't want to be undoing all her good no. work, do you? She's already forgotten mm-hmm. to have a lunch. Don't you be under-reminding her now. There. Oh, thank you, love. That's very kind. I'll see you out, Jenny. Bye now, Jenny, love. Do take care, Petal. On a diet. Honestly, slip of a thing like that. If I were her shape, I'd be having big lunches every day and chocolatey ones. Oh, go on then. Looking at me like that, you are. Hmm. Well, I never. What's wrong, Marge? You'll never guess what she says to me. Moving that tank of a buggy down the hall. She goes, oh, she goes, how long have you two been getting away with this? Getting away with it? Oh, she's a chick. I know. I Ooh. told her she had a nerve. 
She didn't know half of what she was talking about. It's nine year, I said. Nine year almost to the day since you told me my chakras were all askew. Ooh, completely out of joint they were. Save my life, you did, Pris. And you've been helping people ever since. Oh, you were in a right state. Chakras flying here, there and everywhere. Well, they would be, wouldn't mm. they? When you stop and think about it. Oh, yes. I suppose they would be, yes. Save my life, you did, Pris, and that ain't oh, a lie. Oh, no. Oh, you are a silly one. <laughs> Getting away with it. <laughs> Honestly. I knew she'd be trouble mm. as soon as she mm. drives up in that four by four. Getting away with it. Mm. And do you remember early days with Beverly and Christine and them little parties for the girls? Oh, they were great fun, weren't they? Just in other people's living rooms. Mm, they were. And then our Sarah goes, she goes, mm. you should go into business, you two. No, she did, didn't she? Go into business. <laughs> oh, well, we laughed into business, honestly. Well, she were right, though. Mm. Look at us now. Ackenthorpe Heal and Feel Complimentary Medicine Centre. Oh, oh, you'll never guess what our Chris said the other day. It's got right tongue on him, ain't he, old Chris? <laughs> uh, yes. He goes, it's a good job it ain't really complimentary. <laughs> oh, we'd never get to Majorca twice a year. <laughs> oh, ain't he naughty? <laughs> Reet naughty. Ain't wrong, though. We're going to Hotel Grande again. Remember? That place we went to three years ago. Oh, it was lovely, that, weren't it? With little swimming pool overlooking sea. It's one of them all-inclusive packages. Chris says he ain't moving out for two weeks <laughs> except lifting a pint to his mouth. Mm. He deserves it, though, doesn't he, yeah. little soldier? He does. And you're sure you'll be all right? Of course I'll be all right. You don't mind? No, don't be silly. I just, you know... But Chris had already booked Don't it. Don't be silly, you'll have a lovely time. And you'll have your Sarah. She's coming to visit, isn't she? Well, no. She says she's got to work. They're doing a, a what do you call it? A merger. She's awful busy, isn't she? She is. Says she likes it, though. I don't know how she copes down there. So busy and, and so rude. Remember that time I went on the buses? Oh, you had a terrible time, didn't oh, you? I don't know how she does it, your Sarah. I don't either, really. Said she'll be home for Christmas, but she weren't going to make it up for our year's anniversary because Sarah and Quick Charlie's organised a skiing trip. But where are they going? Switzerland. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Had to clear some beer cans off him last year, didn't I? Do you remember? Oh, that were awful. Some people... I made a joke to him. I said, I'm sorry, it's not ale, love. <laughs> oh, I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you'll never guess what Tina Staniford says to me the other day. She comes up to me right in middle of Morrison's. I were buying that salmon I told you about, oh, the fish pie. Mm. Oh, lovely. It was a cream. Oh, lovely. But she comes up to me and says how oh, she's just started a business as a medium. And could she help, oh. you know, talk to him if I want. <laughs> she didn't. She did. I just stood there gobsmacked. Didn't know what to say. Well, what can you say? I said she had a nerve taking people's money like that with her mumbo uh, jumbo. Uh, picking on... Vulnerable, that Isn't is. Isn't it just? Aye. I couldn't believe me ears. I almost wanted to say to her, our Ray couldn't stand you when you were alive, <laughs> Tina Staniford. Last thing he wants now is to hear from you, thank you very much. <laughs> Honestly, Tina Staniford talking to them what's passed on.
What's she got to settle? That's what I want to know. No one wants to hear her prattling on about her tailor's <laughs> new job at Boots, do they? Bet uh, you'd be glad to be dead, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, darling. No, no, you're right. Mm. How much was she charging? Well, I didn't ask. <laughs> of course you didn't. Nine years, though. It doesn't seem like nine years, does it? And it happened so awful quick, didn't it? It did. Yeah, one day, gone to the... What, what would you say to him, Marge, if you could? I mean, I know you can't, but if you could. I think... I'd say I miss you, Ray. I'd say... I'm sorry I took you for granted. While well, I had you, like... But I don't. Not anymore. Oh, you didn't take him for granted, Marge. He loved you. But I think mostly what I'd say is... Thank you. Is that daft? No, that ain't daft. Heavens, no. And I bet he'd say the same. Never saw such love as he had for you. You could feel it beaming out of him. Oh, you sure you don't want me to stay? No, don't be silly. It had to happen sooner or later, didn't it? Doing our holidays separate. And if I get low, I'll just think of you and Chris having a lovely time on that sunny beach. And that'll cheer me right up. And there's cheesecake. You'll need walking, won't I? And I'm going to carry on with my book, aren't I? Did you think of a title? Either The Sheik's Mistress Ooh. or The Sultan's Love. Something mm. deserty anyway. They're usually deserty, aren't they? <laughs> it helps. Mm. Makes it exotic, don't it? <laughs> what about that bit you were stuck on with Sandra and the handsome Bedouin? Killed him off. You didn't. I had two stampeded <laughs> by camels. Sandra were awful <laughs> cut up about it. Well, she would be, wouldn't she? But how's she going to become Sultana if she's Ooh. riding round all day on camels <laughs> in the desert? Sultana? Sultan's oh. queen. Said it on Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, do you know what I fancy? Hmm. A nice slice of that Sultana oh. loaf from Sheila's. Oh, you are mm. naughty. Mm -hmm. I'll pop out. I were popping out, mm. weren't I? Look at us two, rabbiting on. I'd forgotten how we're popping out. Mind you, what's next appointment? Um, should be here soon. That woman with rash on her delicates. Bev Whiteley? No, uh, Bev Whiteley's lady with oh. unmentionables on her back. Oh, yes. Her chakras were all over the place, weren't they? Well, they'd have to be, wouldn't they, with unmentionables on her back? You wait in, Pris, case she comes. I'll pop out for some Sultana love. Do we need hotels? Mm, how about some of them chocolatey ones? Oh, mm. gosh, look at me. Man, like I say, mm. I would go in, weren't I? What would I do without mm. you? Sultana love, chocolatey ones. And I might get some of them crumbly ones, too. Oh, the ones with raisins? Yeah, the nice them ones, aren't they? Nice when you've had a big lunch. Very nice when you've had a big lunch. Shan't be a tick. <laughs> Tara, love. Tara, now if I put my pencil, mm. excuse me. All oh, right, I've just done mm. it. See you in a bit. Getting away with it. Honestly, some people. Turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit terrified. And then I see the looking.
<coughs> Witches was a Toil and Trouble production for BBC Radio 4. And if you want to find out more about the North, or just make sure you never accidentally go there, do go to our website, radio4.co.uk forward slash grim. Coming up later today, a new series which challenges BBC presenters to try something new. This week, John Humphreys on colonic irrigation. That's I Didn't Know I Had It In Me, this afternoon at a quarter to four. Now though, it's time for our weekly look at the world of business, and in today's Money Talks, we meet workshop inspirer, life facilitator, and disambiguation artist, Lynn Pecker. today's session, successfully delivering passive-aggressive customer service in the workplace. Although, as we discussed, these techniques will also work at home. This afternoon, we'll be looking at something we've already touched upon this morning, creating a toxic working environment by subtly undermining your colleague's self-esteem. Or as I like to call it, how to be a worse you. But before we do that, I just want to do a little role play just to recapturate this morning's knowledge exchange. Is that cool with you guys? Yeah? So if we can all just gather round. Thanks, thanks, thanks. My name's Lynn Pecker. I'm a personality capacity optimization specialist. Yeah, sure. So that sort of means facilitating individuals to embark on dialogues with themselves in order to allow them to maximize their own selfitude. Well, I guess in plain English, that would be introducing individuals to themselves through a process of dynamic personality integration. Still not clear? No? Well, if it does sound a bit grand and complicated, that's because it is. So, if we all just gather round, form a little reflection collective just here in the middle. Lovely, lovely. And we're just going to recapture what we discovered this morning. Just a fun little role play, yeah? So, Tom, how was your lunch? It was really nice, thanks. Fish and chips. Really, Thomas? I just thought, because I've been really careful all week. But you are quite fat, aren't you, Thomas? I can hear you panting. It's disgusting. It's just to have this little... Okay, great. Great work, Tom. Really great. Sarah, what was imperfect with my personal interaction with Thomas just then? Um, you were sort of picking on him... Because of his weight, you were quite rude. Exactly. And what do we aim for? Not quite rude, but... Indefinably. Very rude. (laughs) Because indefinably rude is... Anyone? Not you, Thomas. Uh, Deniably rude. Exactly. Very good, Sarah. All together now. Indefinably rude Rude is is deniably rude. Do try to keep up, Thomas. Thank you. Now this morning, we covered the basics of good, passive-aggressive customer service. Eye contact. How to wield it. Intonation. Your secret weapon. And body language. Putting the personal into get out of my personal space, Thomas. I do hope you've all been practising over lunch. Um, yeah, when Tom said he was going out for a cigarette, I didn't say, OK, I'll see you in a bit. I just rolled my eyes and I looked down at my salad and was like, just offer some fresh air then? But it wasn't really a question. Like, I 
said it like a question, but it wasn't one. Like we talked about. Lovely negative interpersonal communication, Sarah. Really lovely. Thanks. And Thomas, how did that make you feel? Uh, kind of small. Uh, yeah, if only. Sarah! Really very nice. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I mean, thanks. <laughs> I really think I'm getting it. And Thomas! What do you think you can learn from Sarah? Uh, excuse me, Thomas? Oh, oh, sorry. I thought it was one of those questions that isn't a question. Uh, rude. Was I looking at you, Thomas? You were sort of looking at near me, yeah. And what does eye contact mean? Uh, uh, it means you're moving from passive to nascent aggression. Remember the four stages of aggression. Passive, nascent, Sarah? Um, custodial. Very good. And? And, um, oh, oh, oh chav. Ah, so proud. I think someone's earned themselves another pecker point. Ooh, Thomas, it's five nil now. Awkward. Maybe if you ate less and read more, you'd remember Tom. Good point, Sarah. And Thomas, what else do you think you can learn from Sarah? <sighs> Probably how to be an uptight B-I-T-C-H. Oh, thanks, Tom. You're such a sweetie. Yes, but I think that probably belongs in the things to say only when team members aren't present, Colin. Like these from earlier, remember? I don't think Tom washes his hands when he goes to the bathroom. Or, Margaret, I think I saw Thomas eating your Maltesers. Yes, he is quite fat, isn't he? That last one's not on the... Okay, great! Let's move on to Get On, shall we? Recently, I've been doing a lot of work with outsourced regional Whitehall Empowerment Centres. Yes, local government, that's what I said. People have finally started to realise what I've been saying all along, which is that local government isn't about people at all. It's about numbers and scowling. You know if you've got an organisation that's making crippling efficiency savings but are still employing actual real-life caring people, you're going to have problems. So today, we're working with Sarah and Tom from the council's adult social care department. We're training the trainers so that all that lovely passive aggression will just trickle down. Sarah is doing excellently. Tom is a little more change-resistant. But what neither of them know is that as part of the council's efficiency drive, I've been asked to recommend one of them for redeployment. Well, I couldn't possibly comment on that, no. No, you'd have to ask HR. Okay, great. Yep. Defensive. Lovely. Anything else? Um, probably lazy. Very nice. Lazy. What else? Tom's top five weaknesses. Try and think of ones he's not aware of. Hmm. He's quite insecure sometimes. A bit sensitive. He's quite pathetic as well, isn't he? Yeah. I think he just needs to be more assertive. Yeah, not like you're perfect. Ah, ba ba ba. We're doing Sarah now. You'll get your turn in a minute. I think we can add impatient to the list, don't you? And miserable, wouldn't you say, Sarah? Oh, yeah, actually, it can be quite miserable sometimes, yeah. Miserable. What 
two, three, four, five. Excellent. Something to work on there then, Thomas. Oh, what about... Oh, oh, sorry. No, go on, dear. It's all right. Sometimes he smells a bit. It's kind of a cheesy what's-it sort of smell. I'll just pop that down as well. Smelly. Lovely. Now, Sarah, what I'd like you to do is to use these targets to think of things that you might say to Tom in an office situation. Things that will really undermine his self-confidence and build up a lovely sense of resentment. Ooh, what about... No need to rush, dear. Really think about it. Uh, what, what should I do? If you could just wait there, Thomas. Thank you. Impatient much? So I started as a teacher originally. Lovely little village primary, a bit backward, very cute. Anyway, during the tribunal, both I and the head came to a unanimous agreement that it really was time for me to move on to bigger and better things. So I took a big step into the great unknown, retrained and joined Ripon Parish Council as a junior receptionist. It was there that I realised a lot of council employees have really very poor people skills. You know, the sort of thing taxpayers have come to expect. Low levels of competence, passive-aggressive demeanour, adherence to petty bureaucracy. At the basics, Ripon were very good, but they just weren't consistent. So I said to myself, Lynn, you've got a gift. You can show these people the way. I call it my lightning bolt from a blue sky moment. And that's when I founded Pecker's People, a training consortium to inspire mediocrity. Are the basic requirements of your job just too demanding? Fed up of helping the vulnerable and needy? Again? Here at Pecker's People, we sharpen an axe on that daily grind. Ooh, sharp. Come at me now, world. Yes, exactly. That's lovely, Sarah, because you implied that Tom was incompetent, but you didn't actually say it. Thanks. And that way, later, when he's driving home or lying in bed, he'll think, did she really mean that? Or maybe it was my fault. That, that's what I was going for. It's just going to be that little bit harder for him to get out of bed tomorrow, isn't it? Well done, you. And, Tom, the great thing for you is you can use all that lovely resentment and really take it out on all your customers. The whole thing becomes self-sustaining. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, if... Question, Thomas? Yeah, it's just... I know this is really useful for our jobs and that, but what if instead of saying, my spreadsheet, Tom, only had to make a couple of corrections and now I'm late for lunch? See, what if Sarah was just nice to me and maybe explain what I did wrong so I don't do it again next time. Great question, Tom! Was it? No. That was sarcasm, which, as we covered this morning, is the best defence against anybody... Oh, oh, stupid ideas from stupid people! Precisely, Sarah. Thank you. I think you might have just lost yourself some pecker points there, Thomas. Minus one! Oh, I don't want you to be points anyway. There's no such thing as a silly point, Thomas. Only a silly attitude. They are silly points. Sarah, you always nice to me before today. We share more teasers. I thought you were my friend. Oh, Tom, we are friends. But it's only because you bought me more teasers every day. I have to go to the bathroom. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah! Uh. 
Thomas. If you leave now, you won't get your certificate of certification. And then what will your line manager say? So do you want to sit down? Yes, I thought so. There's a good boy. And Sarah, will you be sharing those Maltesers with us? Or are you just going to hog them all to yourself? Um, I thought I would just hog them all to myself. Anna girl. Obviously we do a lot of great work with individuals, but recently we've branched out into working with organisations. Thinking is actually a very costly activity for most businesses. According to our internal research, it proactively burdens human resource units with a time effort cost when, in the majority of cases, it just isn't necessary. That's why we developed ThinkTalk. Want to save time on your time management, but haven't the time to manage your time management time time? Studies have shown thinking to be a major contributor to poor time management, but no longer. ThinkTalk is a revolutionary brain reprogramming training scheme teaching you to think as you speak, not before. ThinkTalk. Saving you time, saving you money. It's a no-brainer. No, I wouldn't use that word, no. Because fraudulent implies a level of criminality that we're very careful to avoid. We see ourselves more on the side of complacency. Complacency and insecurity. Basically, in the late 80s, language itself became a commodity. Nowadays, you've got to sound like a business to be a business. And we're just profiteering. <laughs> Making the most of that opportunity, particularly from local government, who are seeking best practice. No, I don't think that's fair. No, we're not telling people how to think. We're telling them not to think. It's actually completely different. Essentially, we just provide our clients with a powerful dynamic mental framework through which to avoid the thinking process. What they do with it is entirely up to them. Theoretically. So, congratulations to Sarah! Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Such an honour, particularly in today's really strong field, to be named a real piece of work. I just wanted to say a huge thank you to Lynn and to everyone who believed in me and I'd really like to wish my fellow contestant all the best for the future because I think you'll really need it. <laughs> thank you, Sarah. Uh, thanks, Sarah. And if you just want to head along to the council leader's office, Sarah, I think HR want to have a word with you. Something about a pay rise? Oh, my God, really? You earned it, girl. Off you pop. Should I just go back to work then? Ah, uh, Thomas. Whatever are we to do with you? Well, are we not done? No. You see, things are changing here at the council, Thomas. They've asked me to stay on. Oh. Yes, I know. Now, don't worry, because what I've said to them is what I say to everyone in these situations. Simply cut any value you can't quantify. Yeah, I'd really like to keep my job. I have to help my mother every now and then. Now, don't worry, because I have quantified you, Thomas. Do you know what you are to me, Thomas? No. You are 19 and a half stone of dead weight. I'll get my things. Don't forget your Maltesers, Thomas. But I gave them to Sarah. Oh, yeah. You did. 
Money Talks was a Pekka production for BBC Radio 4. The producer was Orlando Ruffleton and the executive producer, Lynn Pecker. Coming up later today, Brian Perkins on twerking. But now it's time to join Susanna Bridgeworth as she begins an epic new series for BBC Radio 4, Moulded, A Cultural History of Cheese. You've been listening to Radio 4 Extra. It was written and directed by Lawrence Peacock and produced by Peter Beeston. It featured the voices of David Alt, Lawrence Peacock, Trip Carr, Alice Collins, Jennifer Derbyshire, Renate Reynolds, Sally Grisham, Katie Richmond Ward, and Peter Beeston. This production is released under a Creative Commons agreement. To find out more information and listen to other amazing audio productions, visit us online at cornucopia-radio.co. Dot UK.